SEP Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 4 The New Normal Granger, I want to thank you for speaking at my trial. I've never been good at these kinds of things, but I want you to know how much I appreciate what you did. I also want you to know how sorry I am. For everything. If I can ever be of any help to you in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. Gratefully, Malfoy. The letter had been sitting on her desk for two weeks. Hermione had been shocked when Harry handed it to her. Not that she didn't think Draco was thankful for what the three of them had done for him by speaking at his trial, but because she had never in a million years expected him to acknowledge it. The first time she had read the short note, she had been flabbergasted. Later, when she read it again, she felt close to tears, though she couldn't understand why. Maybe because he had said he was sorry. Did he mean he was sorry about her parents? Or for being such a horrid bully at school? or for the way she was tortured and scarred by his insane aunt. Probably all of it, honestly. Harry had been filling her in on his visits with Draco, both while he was still in Azkaban and after, and insisted the Slytherin prince had changed, that he was no longer the arrogant, smirking antagonist who used to sneer at them on a daily basis, nor did he hold to the pure-blood notions his parents had been so insistent about. She was glad to hear it, especially since it would seem that he would be back at Hogwarts with her for their eighth year, and she really didn't have the energy to deal with that kind of animosity any more. When Hermione had returned from Australia, the day before the trial, she had written to Professor McGonagall and officially accepted her offer to return to Hogwarts. The heartache she felt after leaving her parents had been the deciding factor. She was in no fit state to embark on a career path, or try to make any life-altering decisions about her future. Hogwarts had always been a haven for her, and it would be so once again as she worked through the guilt she carried, and as she waited to hear from the experts she had contacted— there were, however, certain things she needed to deal with before she left. After Draco's trial, she and Ron had slipped out a side door and had taken a very roundabout way out of the ministry, as a means to avoid the reporters and onlookers. They had decided to grab lunch at a nearby café, and Hermione used the time alone to broach a sensitive subject. "'I think we need to talk about us,' she began quietly, forcing herself to look him in the eyes. He stopped chewing his mouthful of sandwich and swallowed with difficulty." His gaze dropped to the table, and the tips of his ears started to turn pink. It was such an endearing, familiar trait that her heart gave a small tug and tears pricked the corners of her eyes. "'I know,' Ron sighed. "'I guess I was hoping we could just—' He trailed off, unsure just how to finish his thought. "'You know I love you, Ron,' she reached across the table, palm up in an invitation, and he took her hand in his own. "'I'm just not sure I love you that way.' She looked beseechingly into his bright blue eyes, silently begging him to understand. She watched as a parade of emotions crossed his face, as he stared at their clasped hands. First, sadness, then resignation, and finally what looked to be relief. "'I know,' he said again. "'I've loved you for years, Hermione, but I think you're right.' "'You do?' "'Yeah,' he chuckled. "'Bet that's news, huh?' She gave him a small laugh and rolled her eyes at him. "'Seriously, though,' he continued." What happened during the battle? His cheeks went pink. I meant it. I wanted to kiss you. But I think it had more to do with how happy I was we were both alive, and it just destroyed another horcrux. Plus, his voice hitched, and she could see tears forming in his eyes. Every time I think of that moment, I can't help but think of how Fred... How Fred just died a short while after. It's like I can never remember one without the other, you know? And I don't want to do that. She did understand because it had been the same for her. 
The events of that devastating day were all intertwined in her memory, and she knew it was why she recalled their first kiss with a pang of deep sorrow every time she allowed her mind to wander down that road again. She nodded at her red-haired best friend, tears glistening in her own eyes. "'I know. I truly do, Ron.' She gripped his hand even tighter, and he returned the gesture, giving her a wobbly grin. "'You'll always have my friendship. You know that.' He nodded his head adamantly and echoed the sentiment with sincerity. They spent the rest of the afternoon talking at their small table. She told him all about her time in Australia, and he told her about how his family was doing. She also explained her decision to go back to school, which he wholeheartedly supported. "'Of course you'll go back,' he announced with gusto, attacking a large piece of chocolate cake. "'They probably came up with the idea just so you would.' Hermione laughed. "'I doubt that, but I think it's the best option for me right now.' "'Just watch out for Malfoy,' Ron warned. "'Don't let him get up to any of his old tricks.' "'Somehow I doubt he'd even try,' she mused. "'I think he'll be all right. "'Harry says he's changed, and the Ministry's got him on a tight leash at any rate.' "'Yeah, well, still,' Ron insisted stubbornly. "'Don't be afraid to punch him again if he gets out of line.' "'Ronald!' she explained. "'You just testified on his behalf.' "'Doesn't mean I like him,' he grumbled. "'I just don't think he deserves to rot in prison. "'There's a difference,' he sniffed, "'giving an air of superiority, causing Hermione to chuckle again.' "'Well, thank you for clearing that up,' she teased him, tossing her napkin on the table. "'Walk me to Harry's so I can flew home.' Having Potter as his liaison wasn't as awful as Draco thought it would be, though he would never admit that if anyone asked. It was obvious that Harry and his mother had struck up a solid friendship during the weeks leading up to his trial, and she looked forward to his visits. At first, Draco simply humored her in her excitement. He supposed she didn't have much to occupy her time, so having company in the form of a ministry official was about as much of a social life as they were going to get in the near future. However, much to his surprise and chagrin, Harry was an amicable guest. He was always respectful to Narcissa, never once treating her like a convict or as someone who didn't deserve the freedom she had gained. He brought her the latest fashion magazines and shared any bits of high-society gossip he had overheard since he'd last been there. He also started bringing Draco articles on Quidditch teams and potioneering, knowing that those were his two greatest interests. Harry usually arrived for afternoon tea and stayed for several hours. He was supposed to meet once a week with Narcissa and once a week with Draco, so he had standing appointments on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but he usually met with both of them for tea and wound up chatting with Draco once Narcissa had drifted off to see a household task. Typically, he would ask his standard ministry protocol questions, first to get them out of the way. Had they had any recent visitors since he last saw them? Had they received any form of correspondence from any former Death Eaters? Had anyone tried to bother or harass them in any way? The answers were always in the negative. If Harry had any news regarding their probations or sentencing, he would share that, and then move on to less formal topics. The fourth time Draco found himself alone with Harry, he asked a question that had been buzzing around in his head since his release. Why did they speak at my trial? Harry didn't need to ask who Draco meant, but he still looked quizzically at him for a second, so Draco continued. I mean... I get that you're the famous chosen git who saved the world, Harry chuckled as Draco ranted, and you felt it your duty to bestow your goodness on those less fortunate, but why the other two? It's not like any of us were ever friends at school. None of you owed me anything. When he finished, Draco found himself slightly embarrassed and unaccountably nervous, even though his words had been spoken more in jest than animosity, as he looked down, fidgeting with his shirt cuff instead of meeting Harry's eyes. Well, Harry began slowly, being entirely honest, we, Ron, Hermione, and I, didn't think it was fair, what was happening to you. You were the only one of our classmates to get chucked into Azkaban, but you weren't the only one fighting on Voldemort's side. But I'm the only one he branded, 
muttered Draco. "'Yeah, but you didn't volunteer for that either,' said Harry firmly. "'Look, Malfoy, I know there's a long and nasty history between you and the three of us, but schoolyard taunts and a handful of hexes don't equal you wasting away in prison. We've put those days behind us, and you should too.' His green eyes continued to pierce Draco even after he finished speaking. Draco grudgingly heard the truth behind his words. He'd been given a second chance, and he wasn't about to spend it dwelling on the past. "'You're right,' he started, but Harry interrupted him. "'Sorry? Say that again, Malfoy?' Draco sighed dramatically, knowing his old nemesis wasn't going to let him get away with this one easily. "'I said, you're right, Potter,' he repeated, rolling his eyes. "'Hang, hang on,' said Harry, making a show of patting his pockets and looking around. "'I need a quill and parchment.' "'What in Merlin's name for?' To document this historical event in which you, Draco Malfoy, have clearly stated that I am right, Harry finished, laughing at the scowl that had formed on the blonde's face. Oh, don't be so touchy, he continued, or I won't take you with me. Take me? Take me where? Consider it your first bit of community service, said Harry. I promised to help George and Ron at the joke shop. It's been kind of slow going since Fred, well, since Fred's been gone, and they need some help stocking all the shelves and reorganizing new merchandise. I asked if I could bring you along, and they said it was fine. They'll appreciate the extra set of hands. Draco considered this for a few seconds. True, he hadn't been out of the manor since he was released, and before that he had spent more than two months in a cell. It would be rather nice to get out, but the idea of facing the wizarding public was rather daunting. He thought back to the horde of reporters and onlookers in the ministry atrium. Harry seemed to read his mind. We'll be able to flew directly there. We can go to the Auror office, and then to the shop. You won't have to walk down Diagon Alley or anything. At this, Draco huffed a breath, squared his shoulders, and nodded once. All right, then. Let's go. At first, Draco wasn't sure anyone was in Weasley's wizard wheezes. He and Harry stepped out of the fireplace in what appeared to be an office in the back of the store, and as they made their way out to the front, they didn't see or hear anyone else moving around. As they entered the main area, they spotted George up on a ladder, rearranging brightly colored boxes on the highest shelves. "'Oi, George!' called Harry. "'Harry, sorry, didn't hear you arrive.' George said as he slowly climbed down the ladder and shuffled across the room to meet them. He shook Harry's hand and immediately turned to Draco, offering his hand as well. "'Thanks for coming, Malfoy,' he said in a quiet, monotone voice. "'No problem,' said Draco, feeling slightly off-kilter by the polite, albeit subdued, greeting. While he had rarely interacted with the twins, he knew just how exuberant and boisterous they were. This shop, with all of its bright displays and bold colors, was evidence of that, and yet George was definitely changed.' He seemed older, and so very solemn. It was understandable, of course, but still unsettling to witness. Draco wondered how difficult it must be for his family to see him so altered. Before he could ponder that thought further, however, the front door jingled and Ron walked in with his arms loaded with paper bags. "'Lunch!' Ron hollered. "'Sorry it took so long. Katie Bell was working the counter, and we started talking about the cannon's upcoming match, and—' He trailed off as he realized he and George weren't alone. "'Oh, hey, Harry,' he nodded to Malfoy. A slightly skeptical look on his face. I'll take mine in the office, and you can tell our new help what to do while you eat. George dug through the bags, pulled a couple of containers out, and walked back down the hall Harry and Draco had just emerged from. They heard a door close softly and turned to look back at Ron, who shrugged in a helpless sort of way and put the bags on the counter. That's about the longest sentence he said all week, Ron started pulling containers from the bags. And this is the first week he's managed to be in the store for a couple days in a row. We've gotten a lot done, but it's slow going, and he holds himself up in the office every few hours. He spoke mostly to Harry, but obviously didn't mind if Draco heard what he was saying. As Ron was talking, Draco glanced around the shop. 
It was vibrant and almost overwhelming, and every nook and cranny seemed to be bursting with jokes and tricks and the like, but there was a method to it. Everything seemed to be intentionally placed. Organized chaos, he thought. However, as his eyes roved over towards the front counter, where the cash register stood, he noticed a very large, very blank expanse of wall behind it. It looked like the type of space one would see over a fireplace mantle, where a large, expensive piece of artwork would be displayed. It was painted a flat beige color that didn't fit in with the rainbow of hues throughout the rest of the store. He stared at it, wondering at its purpose, when Ron broke into his train of thought. "'Yeah, that's another bit of difficulty,' he said in a low voice, still not looking directly at Draco. "'George is the business mastermind behind the shop, but Fred was the artistic genius. He had been working on some new logo or artwork to put up there before.' George has the sketches somewhere, but he can't bring himself to ask someone else to do it. Feels wrong to him. But he can't seem to decide what else to do with that space, either. I tried to suggest posters or more shelves or something. Anything. But he's not quite ready to tackle that yet. Ron shook his head sadly, stared up at the ceiling for a few seconds, blinked furiously. After taking a deep breath, he looked Draco squarely in the face for a moment, studying him as if he was trying to figure something out. A hard look of resignation crossed his freckled face a small frown creasing his forehead. Draco wasn't sure what to say or do, but before he could attempt anything, Ron looked past him and addressed Harry again. Let's eat, and then we can get started on the front windows. Draco held out a hand to stop Ron from turning away and found himself at the receiving end of a blue-eyed glare. Raising his hand in surrender, he met the former Gryffindor's gaze and spoke. Thank you, Weasley, for speaking at my trial. Ron's eyes widened and he stared at Draco for a moment, as if waiting for the punchline to a joke. When he realized his former enemy was sincere, he shrugged, nodded, and turned to the bags on the counter. "'What kind of sandwich do you like, Malfoy?' 